Welcome to Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Your Pursuit of Happiness. Today, we're joined by former Leinster and Ireland rugby player, Jamie Heaslip. Jamie is now busy investing and helping SMEs grow and scale globally by bringing what he's learned from high-performance teams to the business world. He's an investor in Providence, Kipman Labs, Love in Dublin, Urban Vault, Pointy, The Bridge 1859 and Lemon and Duke. He is also an investor and member of the team at the successful Irish fintech Flender, which is a digital lending platform that provides Irish SMEs with flexible finance, quick decisions and competitive rates. Jamie joined us to talk about his rugby career, life after rugby, the Irish tech scene and lessons he's learned along the way. Let's listen in. I'm delighted to be joined today by Jamie Heaslip. Thanks, Emil, for coming in. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, so one of, the, one of the reasons we wanted to get you on was everyone knows you from what you've done before on the rugby pitch. Yeah. Um, and I'm really interested in the other side. So what can you tell us about the other side of Jamie, the business side? The other side of Jamie. Um, <laughs> just the dark side of the moon. Um, yeah, obviously people uh, know me for, for what I did for so long because I was in the public for so long. Um, <clears throat> And playing rugby um, and being part of uh, that time period where rugby really kind of, particularly yeah. in Ireland, yeah, yeah. but I think just in Europe particularly and globally, the coverage around it really started to, to mushroom for where yeah. it once was. And when you consider it only went professional in like 96, mm. um, after the 95 World Cup, um, I started in 2000, professionally in 2005. You know, ten years after I got professional, and I wasn't mm. even really that professional by that stage. But then it just it took off. Yeah. Particularly in Ireland, a lot of that is down to Munster and their success at the start. Uh, then Leinster, then Ireland, mm. uh, and just the way the media landscape has changed in terms of content. Yeah. And and content proliferation and and exclusivity and and I think sport um is one of those few ones that people still tune into live. Yeah. Um, hence why uh, media rights around it have like, like blown up completely yeah. in terms of uh, cost but then the whole as I call it water cooler effect of it um, of trying to know the stories and the narrative and filling the gap and the yeah. water cooler having basically stories for the water cooler when you go there for water uh, in the office um, all those stories around players and around teams mm. it has to be filled um, and that's what's happened, you know. Uh, sorry, and sorry, that's why people know me because I was, yeah. part, I was kind of in that. Um, but while I was playing, I knew uh, it was quite finite mm-hmm. playing. Um, Rugby is great sport, and, and you make uh, a great living while you play. But yeah. um, it doesn't. It's not like soccer, um, and sometimes that's been an illusion people have. Um, very few, like like very few players. I, I haven't seen a stat on it, but I hedge in a bet. I'd say it's definitely less than five percent. Anyway. Um, I'd say even less. I'd say it's probably less than one percent of players don't technically have to have a formal job in yeah. finish. Um, so what you try and do obviously is set yourself up for success or phase two. And yeah. while I was playing, um, I decided to. I you know I I kind of did what most Irish people do anyway is try and get on the property ladder. Yeah. So I did that, and then I kind of um 
I did that when I was very lucky to be able to do it when I was very young but the yeah. downside is that as I did it in 2006 yeah. and then in 2008 <laughs> yeah, um, yeah um, and I was very very lucky that I could I could I could ride the wave and mm. lots of people couldn't and and uh, lost houses and mm-hmm. loads of bad stuff happened um, during that time period but I was able to kind of be okay in that regard and then I got you know when you're looking at the, the financial markets there wasn't much of a return on putting it on deposit yeah um, so I had a choice of what do I do do I save it do I pay down my mortgage um, do I uh, and I, I was lucky I was on tracker rates as well so yeah. um, there wasn't a whole lot because they kept going down there wasn't a whole lot of incentive to do it um, because of the interest rate I was playing on. Yeah. So um, I looked around the different marketplaces. I've always enjoyed business. I did a master's in management in Smurfit when I was yeah. playing. And um, I decided to look at different interests of mine. Um, and the first was a pretty obvious one, which is food. Mm. And I looked at a thing called Bear mm. uh, Restaurant and partnered up and, and kind of did a, a loan uh, agreement with them and partnered up on that venture. I was in that for about two, two and a half years. I uh, learned a lot, um, but came away from it. Uh, mm. I came away okay, um, you know, but learned a lot about that world. And it's and, tough, and it's it's tough, tough industry. Yeah, yeah, it's very tough industry, and I'd never be going back into it again personally. Yeah, um, I think it's a real industry that you have to have. A, yeah, you have to be in it. It's a calling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be in it, particularly, yeah. and and you need someone who's in it in regards to in the kitchen, yeah. and then you need someone who's in it in regards to front of house mm-hmm. and and knowing everywhere because, as I've <clears> learned, <throat> you know it's a cash game, it's cash yeah. business, um, still quite a lot of it, and um, things can go missing, mm-hmm. and you need to stay on top of that, and only stay on top of that, stay in it. Um, but then I started looking at other things like I have a degree in medical engineering, yeah, and. Um, Kitman Labs, sorry, before that, I think called Province Medical, which is a medical neck implant. Uh, came up, and my brother worked in that company, and opportunity came up to invest in them, and that kind of got me started. Mm. At kind of finding things that I kind of understood. Yeah. And got understood the, the kind of understanding of it and where it was going, and then kind of digging in on it and, and investing in those kind of companies mm. um, and building on the relationships and looking at the teams. Yeah. And so. There was Providence, and then there was um, Kitman Labs, which was, uh, you know, I understood completely because of the science. There were basically, I was seeing what was happening in the game mm. uh, in terms of data points being used, GPS trackers were starting. GPS trackers came in in about yeah, uh, 07, 08. And like Lencer were literally the first team in the Northern Hemisphere to use mm. GPS trackers. Um, Michael Checker brought them up from from the Aussie Rules teams in, in Sydney. Yeah. Um, understood it completely invested in that um, and then just I, I just kind of went from there you know sure. looking at pubs and and um, you know looking at things that I had an interest in like uh, energy efficiency or look, got involved in the Urban Vault uh, mom and pop shops in yeah. terms of how they combat against the Googles and the Amazons of this world yeah. um, because yes big business can spend a lot of money and get online and be all sexy online sure. and spending but you know what do you do for the local news agent store and how do you combine that online technology with the off actual mm. offline world of, of bricks and mortar? And that's what point you do. Um, I love Dublin because of the media landscape. I was quite interested in. Mm. Um, and then where I've ended up is in Flender. Yeah. But again, a, a consistent problem that I that I 
found in all of them mm. is financing. Okay. Uh, and how you how SMEs uh, like what financial products mm. or instruments can they use to scale their business? Mm. Um, you know, because not everyone can go to a big VC farm and raise mm-hmm. a load of money and do that route. And sometimes they don't want to. Mm. They don't want to give up equity as well. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, speed is of the essence. Um, big banks, big pillar banks, can take four to six weeks to give you a yeah, yeah. A, a slow no. Yeah. Um, and with us, I can give you a yes or no today, and if it's a yes, I can give you the money tomorrow. Yeah, it seemed like a market that was kind of prime for a bit of innovation. Well, like yeah, if you look at um, if you look at the US or mm. um, yeah, the US or the eurozone in general. In the US, I think seventy five percent of SME loans are from uh, non banks. Yeah. Uh, the eurozone, it's about fifty percent. Ireland, it's ten. Mm. So uh, and it's a three point six billion marketplace mm. in Ireland. Um, so there's we're we're behind the curve, but you mm. can understand that when you look at the last ten years, there was zero money in the country mm. um, because of the recession so you know you can understand yeah but then at the same time we are actually like take our, our, our digital economy is actually quite advanced compared to other European countries yeah. um, so in my own head I was like oh, we're behind the curve we're, we're we're either ahead or staying up with everyone in, mm. in, in certain areas in terms of innovation and um, digital technology and fintechs and that whole space however we're really far behind yeah and then like people know have heard of like revolut and n26 and these products yeah and monzo these kind of things and they're like they're, they're getting a lot more savvy now in yeah. terms of how they're actually getting service and open to it as well i think yeah yeah, yeah. like trust is a big thing and, yeah. and um like anything when it comes to money yeah. um you you you've got to build trust there and yeah. that's where big pillar banks probably have had a monopoly on it because they've literally had the bricks and mortars for mm-hmm. god knows how long but um you know i think the times are changing yeah and i think it's it's one of the even outside of banking and things like regulation and funds and all of that one of the positives from the crisis was all of this innovation and you know how long we can do things better and trust was lost i think in pillar banks in particular so the opportunity was there and people were looking for alternatives yeah um particularly smes yeah Uh, a lot of businesses went under during that time um, and the ones who got through it, you know, if they're <coughs> smart, they haven't long forgotten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of, of what it was like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like anything, um, you don't want to be too lever- like, like leveraged towards, you know, one or two particular providers of, mm. of anything mm-hmm. in your kind of supply chain. So if you have alternatives, you know, and, sorry, and competitive alternatives yeah. as well. Um, you're foolish not to explore these routes. In my, it's like that'd be my opinion. It'd be like anything in a business. You know, you shouldn't be reliant on one particular client to generate all your revenue. You know what I mean? Because what mm. happens? They go. What happens to you? Um, From an investment perspective, it might sound like it's you know different things in different places, but there does seem to be kind of a commonality there as well. Particularly when you get to Flender and it's all the experience you had. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually thought of it like that. Yeah. Well, what, what, what do you, what uh, commonality do you pull from it? Uh, out of curiosity, I, I think it's it's things that you've known or understood or, or have had an interest in. Um, Probably so you talk interesting. about food. I, like I, I would. Uh, I don't know if I would. <laughs> <laughs> understand them at times um, but uh, like some of the stuff you see the engineer like take 
uh, well, sorry, like somebody like talking to the credit team of Flander, for example, mm. and, and and how they look at different uh, instruments and how they, sure, yeah. you know, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and same with Kitman, you know, you talk to the engineers and stuff there. Just do, but I get detail that. complexity. Yeah. But I get the top line. Yeah. You know, sorry. And that's, and, what, that's and, what you and mean. Maybe, maybe it's the other side, actually. Maybe it's more the, the use case or that, you know, why would someone buy this or why would someone use this? Well, I love things that question the how. Mm. I, I never like someone saying, okay, I go, why are we doing it this way? Because that's the way it's always been done. Mm. Drives me mad. Mm. That's not an answer for me. Yeah. You know, there's got to be a reason and a rhyme behind it. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> that's like when it comes to sport, you yeah. know, for years, lads, like the warm up used to be two laps, lads. Yeah. <laughs> where's, yeah, the, yeah. where's the science behind yeah. that? Okay, you know, why are we, uh, why are we training for an hour and a half? Mm. What, like, why mm. where's where's the reason behind that you're not even like take rugby you're not even on the field for 90 minutes mm. you know what I mean the game of rugby is 80 minutes long it's yeah. actually I think the ball in play is in nowadays it's 32 <coughs> minutes or something like that the ball is in play yeah you know what I mean and I think even even thinking from when he came in today to open the lift to come to this room I'd say you've asked more questions than almost anyone I've yeah. on the podcast but I'm it's, curious it's a curiosity yeah exactly uh, but that must help in terms of you know being an investor and looking at potential investments. Yeah, and I, I kind of come from uh, like I come from very different perspective. Yeah. Um, and there's some guys that are really really smart and um, like are are really good in their lane. I just have a different view. Yeah. That sometimes I'll ask a silly question and I'll get oh, what are you? Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. I'm and I'm really comfortable with that. But sometimes I'll ask a question and I'll get that result but you just said they're there where you just kind of go, oh, well actually, and I'll go, well why? You know, why are we doing it that way? Because mm. like, that's like, why are we doing it? Like, we can do it this way. But it, it, isn't it good to be able to answer the question or to ask the question? I think it takes a lot of guts for someone to ask what some people may see as a, a silly question. Yeah, you know, why and, would you ask that? And, and in sport, you know, um, you get <clears> very comfortable you get very comfortable with failure, mm. right? And you get very comfortable with, with, not that you want to fail a lot, but like, of trying. You know what I mean? Like, we, we try, in training, you're trying to do new things. You're yeah. always, you know, uh, trying a new skill and you're always crap at first, but like, mm. repetition, 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 review. That's how you get better. Mm. By failing, by trying, failing, learning, and go, you know what I mean? It's easier said than done, though. It is, it is, but like, sorry, you, you get that's you almost get numb to it playing, you know what I mean? And and that's that's what professional sports do, does to you. But the you know, in the corporate world, I've seen it, people are afraid to make a mistake, mm -hmm. particularly depending on the meeting that they're in. God forbid someone yeah, else yeah. in the room sees you fail, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. and people are really, really slow to put their hand up when yeah. a mistake is made. People talk about this kind of oh you know honest candor or you know transparency yeah, mistakes yeah. I still have been in a lot of meetings where um, that um, that kind of how do I put it actually what's the word I'm looking for uh, emotional security mm. uh, isn't there for people to be able to make a mistake openly go I got it wrong sorry mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I've, I'll, I'll ever have a problem with people make a mistake it's if they keep making the same mistake yeah. you know what I mean and not yeah, yeah. learning from it mm. um, 
because I, I make close mistakes but I try and learn from it and try and you know you take your licking and you move forward um, but sorry you kind of get we get very I get very accustomed to it but others maybe aren't you know yeah um, we've done a we've done a few podcasts around kind of um, this has come up in terms of corporate culture and people say you know we've an innovative culture and the first question you should always ask is when's the last time you failed you're not going to innovate if you don't fail you know yeah yeah um, it's that culture of, of failure isn't necessarily the end of the world in fact you, you can grow from us no you can learn from us no it, but it, I'm not a believer to... in this like you know, what's that uh, move fast break things or whatever that kind of in um, techie phase was for a while Um like you gotta put thought into it and you gotta put a plan together. It's not doing for the sake of doing it. Yeah, yeah, and you gotta have a reason for why you wanna do it and then you kinda of hypothesize about it and then you kinda of formulate a strategy and then you go on it. Within and then those, you take your in game learnings, you know what I mean? Within those reasonable confines though, failure it, the growth, oh, it will growth, happen. growth comes from failure. It will happen. Like yeah. take a take a rugby season. I always try and use that analogy with a rugby yeah. season. I was like, you know, great if you can win every of the year. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But very rarely happens mm. you know what I mean but like there's a game next week so you play win or lose Monday review you know good things have happened bad things have happened mm. you know okay how do we fix that grant but the other thing is you can't linger on it too much you know the, the strategy long term thinking has to be done in a very separate room and you've got to give it time for that strategy to unfold within that strategy will be wins and losses mm. you know what I mean but it's how you react to them and what you learn from them um, from both wins and losses because we're very quick to, to move on from wins and yeah. not look at them not acknowledge them yeah not acknowledge them but also not like sometimes they're not as good as you think mm-hmm. you know what I mean and the other flip side of that is you're not as bad as you think you know what I mean I always used to say try and stay in the middle of the road never swing either side uh, but in, in Irish sport we have a habit of of swinging to the extreme <laughs> as we've recently seen with the Irish rugby mm-hmm. team um, but yeah you, you, again it's something that you get quite accustomed to as right running the mill in, in uh, I found anyway in, in sport how have you found the transition from that type of environment mm, yeah. with what I would assume are like minded people in terms of professional rugby you know used to failure used yeah. to the way of doing things etc and, and well, you'd be surprised honest. like they're not necessarily like minded um, any winning team that I've been involved with have been you know not everyone liked each other mm. um, but they're all kind of pointed in the right direction yeah and they've got the same goal yeah and they're playing to roughly the same type of values mm. um, and they got buy-in on most of the values now different people interpret values in different ways sure um, and that's another thing but it's very um yeah, it's it's. I've kind of gone off on a tangent on that one. So, uh, <laughs> so how does that translate then into the business world, which must be a little bit different? Yeah, well, else. like at the office is a is a absolute beast in terms yeah. of not everyone in the office gets along, but you have to yeah. somehow get them all aligned on terms of where you want to go, mm. um, and the way you want to do that. Mm. You know, um, and the value. Like, so that's where that's what culture is. You know what I mean? Culture is established in my book. It's like kind of establishing. Okay, there's the mission. That's what we all. Yeah, we're signing up for that. Yeah. Okay, and values is more kind of like then the culture is more like the how and the why you're doing it, mm. um, and then how you hold yourself accountable to them. Mm. That's kind of my take on it. What What's your take on accountability in general? I from, think you, from you, you have to be accountable, but I I just you know too many times I see people that. You, you've got to give 
think you got to give a bit of autonomy to people mm. um, and let them kind of figure out how they want to get there. Once you kind of agree, like not stay out of the loop, go all, right, all over to you. Like yeah. you can it, but like I, I think micromanaging people is not the way to go. I think mm. you, you got to let the team come up with a certain bit of autonomy, trust people. That again, it comes down to your culture in terms of getting the right people to fit that, getting smart people to fit it, uh, building a real team kind of ethos. Mm. Um, easier said than done, obviously, um, but very, very important for longevity and success, I think. Mm. Um, in terms of that transition that I talked about earlier on, and rugby having a, a finite lifespan as yeah. a career, how much kind of thought or planning or, or whatever did you put into um, moving into what you're doing now again I put really good people around me yeah. so a really good guy who kind of looked after my finances for want of a better word you know kind of two different guys an accountant and a kind of financial advisor yeah. guy and, you know and then I, I always had kind of different business mentors and you know kind of bounced all different things off them and then went out and met loads of people mm. and just kind of soaked up and that's kind of how I started gathering where I want to go and what I want to do and what my kind of plan was while playing sure. um, and then moving forward that's what I th- try, keep trying doing no matter where I am or what I'm transitioning into or whatever it's more about okay what team are around me and then um, okay who's who's the good person to talk and bounce ideas off them and there's a method there yeah there's a method like the way I would have done playing is like I would have had I used Olympic rings as a, as a, as a way of kind of frame it where you know I'd have like rugby uh, I called it like um, rugby uh, family and friends uh, community mm. um, I called it like Jamie Inc for want of a better word and then I covered I kind of called I said recovery but it was kind of I suppose like a lifestyle piece so basically what that meant is rugby was like okay what I had to do around rugby but it was more around like uh, video work and prep work and um, that sort of thing uh, organise myself around travel and, and in terms of peaking mm. and not um, the recovery was a pretty obvious one like recovery methods and nutrition and sure. all that sort of stuff and then community was like okay what, what kind of charity stuff am I doing that I like doing like th- that I'm involved with family and friends like okay what am I doing in there to keep that balanced and then um, Jamie Inc was like what am I doing for, um, like, my the businesses myself yeah. financially, um, sponsorship, sure. all that sort of thing. So I kept every month. I'd kind of like make sure I'm moving each one along. Yeah, you know, and like seasonality would kind of dictate which ones yeah, yeah. are more busier than others. And so I'm trying to do something similar like that now. While yeah, in in this kind of phase of my life now. So. It is interesting because we see, it, like I think rugby to what you've done is, is quite a big transition. If you look at it coldly, it's, I'm sure there's similarities, etc. Yeah. But we see people moving, say, within financial services from one functional role to another, which may not be on paper as quite a, quite as big a leap. Yeah. But what you've kind of outlined in terms of, you know, the five rings and the Jamie Inc. Yeah. bit in particular, there was a plan there to kind of move. Or to, oh, to, to transition, you know? There was a plan, because you knew it was always coming, but, mm. like, it's still tough, yeah. you know what I mean? And But you need to do the incremental it's, things. It's to still kind of, not easy. Mm. Like, and I think it's I think it's a ticking time bomb that if either, you know, the teams 
um, the governing bodies, yeah. the players' association. If they don't really stay close to this, it's a potentially going to be yeah. n- not good going forward because you know players are coming into the system younger and younger and younger, and um, like they're not coming out any wealthier in the game and if anything yeah. anecdotally anyway it looks like the careers are getting a little bit shorter um, not everyone's going to have a 15 year career like I did mm. you know what I mean some guys are going to have a 6 year career I think the average length is 6 years mm. you know what I mean um, what happens like they're kind of some of them are kind of going to college and they're going to college doing a couple of modules at a go and they're they're, they're kind of drawing it out mm. you know what I mean um, I just think it it so what, what advice would you give those people or in general people looking to make a transition I, th- I think I think they've got to allow players to have a designated time to um, to make sure that they're setting themselves up for success because mm. right now it's a I think that I don't believe there's any real um, coherent strategy and making sure it's always balanced so if you have the time as a rugby player or as a finance professional tech professional to set yourself up for success in terms of that longer term thinking about your career and where you want to go mm. what advice would you give someone when they're in that space when you're when so that's the paradox time? isn't it because like when you're playing it demands everything of you mm-hmm. Um but you've got to carve out the time. Same in career. Yeah. You know, people don't carve out the time and we, we harp on about it all the time that people don't give, people sometimes fall into a role or are offered a role or are approached a better role and they go into it. Yeah. Without thinking, where is this actually bringing me? You know, where am I going in five years, 10 years, whatever? Not that you need to sit there for months, every year. And, and think that about plans stuff, change. But it, yeah, in, in terms of plans can change. Uh, you but know, things may not work out. You need some sort of direction. Okay. Um, and for me, like that's probably been the most challenging. It was very easy for me in rugby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because very, like, you kind of have an idea where it's going. But when you finish it and it all finishes, you know what I mean? There's that whole network is taken away. And you're yeah. Kind of on your own. Like it's tough and you got to figure it out while moving, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I've been trying to trying to figure figure out um, as I move along now. Okay. Um, in terms of the professional sports mentality almost, or, or your professional sports mentality, uh, how has that helped or hindered in terms of moving into investments or business world or Flender? Um, I don't know if it's helped or hindered. You know, making decisions and moving forward is, is and then seeing the outcome is very much something I'm quite comfortable with. Mm. Others like to linger quite a bit. It's probably why I got drawn into like going to work more in that kind of startup space mm-hmm. rather than you know because the decision can kind of made yeah. you know when you're a 20 people organization it moves quick and mm-hmm. um, flip side of that is um, you know you all feel that you're all under scrutiny as well yeah. Um, but no yeah there's, there's no hiding that would be one thing trying to always make sure you have for me personally as a person kind of balance mm. kind of you gotta look after yourself, kind of your own health, be it physically, mentally, kind of your your I know well being's a bit of a sexy thing right now, mm-hmm. but just let's call it that. You know, you've gotta be fit and healthy first before you can help anyone else. Yeah. Uh, and that's how you'll get the most out of yourself. So Put your own oxygen mask on first. <laughs> I'll go back into my oxygen tent. Um, but 
that's something that I think people underestimate in the yeah. corporate world. So, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and what else? Oh yeah, like like teamwork. Mm. You can't underestimate it. having good people and a good team. Mm. You know, I've seen. You know, it, it will get the longevity as opposed to having just one or two really talented people and relying on them. How do you know you're in a good team? Ah, oh, that's a million dollar question. Mm. Um, I suppose a good team is one that has knows where it's going and know everyone knows everyone knows their roles, have an open and honest candor and that security to be able to discuss a lot of topics together openly and honestly yeah, and yeah. not feel like they're they're under threat or anything like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That it's all psychologically safe almost yeah. yeah it's all like I think that's the sign of a really good team or unit mm. um, and it's very hard as you scale that out and you grow your company to, to, to keep that going but I think in the sub you know the sub teams be it yeah. your, your senior leadership group or yeah. you know your sales pod or whatever it is I think you can do it that's mm. signs of really good managers um, or team captains, you yeah. know, of being able to create that and then be the broker between maybe that group sure. and the next one. Okay. Uh, you mentioned it's hard to maintain that as you grow. Flender has grown a huge amount. Yeah. Uh, has it been hard to maintain that? Um, yeah, like as like any startup, it's pivoted. It's, you know, some people have come and gone and some people are there from the start and most aren't. Mm. Um, but that's that's the nature of it mm. um like as a business it's gone from you know a book of business a loan book of one million um in 2017 to 13 million in yeah. 2019 it's crazy um and they've just secured in q4 last year just secured a, a credit line of 75 million yeah. on top of what we have and well um you know we have an ambition of uh, 100 million um loan book yeah. by the end of this year End of this year. Yeah, so so we have the we have the credit line to do it, and yeah. it's an ambitious target. Yeah. Um, but the you know, funds are there. The funds are there to do mm. it, so that's why we've set it at, mm. at that target, and we're going after it. Um, and like I said to you before, you know, we're behind the other markets in terms of non-bank loans. Yeah. Um, it's a big market, and I think it's been uh, SME market has been completely. I just think it's been underserved by yeah. pillar banks. Um, that's what we believe. Mm. Um. And, and we're trying to, to service SMEs better, you know, by being fast and flexible. So apart from a hundred million loan book end of 2020, what are the other kind of short to medium term goals for Flender? For Flender? Mm. Well, like any other business, you're looking to do raise funds and mm. you're looking to do all that sort of thing and, and establish a couple of key uh, big partnerships or big clients. Mm. Um, and a couple of them are in the pipeline. Yeah. Uh, well, also, all, all those things are in play. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll have good news throughout the year on that mm. um, I'm not saying we'll, we'll hit the 100 million um, but let's like I love I love I love setting an ambitious target yeah and, and getting after it um, and it's a stretch goal it's going to test people mm. um, but I think I think we can we can replicate um, a similar type of growth I mean you're going from a small base right you're so it's like 
what over a thousand percent growth yeah. in those two years um, but you're going from one million yeah and <laughs> um, one to 13 is pretty good in two years yeah yeah look the, the team in there have done really really well um, and it hasn't come at a cost mm. you know what I mean like I said there have been a lot of learnings and, there, and there's going to be even more learnings going forward you know through our, the different channels that we that we um, we go after but it's it's for me it's a really good opportunity to grow again and a mm. stretch goal a, a stretch goal personally for me and others in the team because that's what will happen you know mm. what I mean as we scale up sure you know people will have to step up or people will come in and yep. you know there'll be movements and opportunities for other people yeah. and all sorts of different things like that which is really really exciting and mm. excites me personally um, and it's great to be in 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 the Irish market yeah. and trying to get out there like I'm trying to understand the landscape yeah. of, of um, the different verticals that we're sure. owning to and which ones are our main ones and where are they where, those SMEs where are they and um, just trying to figure all that out is really really exciting for people looking to join the likes of a Flander wh- what do you guys look for when you're hiring it's funny we're doing our our, our value session uh, nice. next week okay. and so we're doing a big day of it and like you know up until this point you know they've been you know honest um honesty and transparency was a big value mm. um obviously because you're dealing with you know you know money and, mm-hmm. and you don't want to surprise people at any fees or anything like that you've been up sure. through everything being real trustworthy fast is a big one for us mm. and how we operate because uh, we don't have those legacy issues of the banks mm-hmm. in, in terms of you know we're built yeah. on, on a digital kind of yeah platform um but that's really weird. It's like, you know, it's digital platform, but when it's an SME and it's their money and they, yeah. they you know, they, they might need it now because they've just, you know, they've landed a massive contract and need to execute on it or they need working capital or stock or something mm. like that. Um, you know, they might want to execute on it quick, but you still sometimes need that face-to-face. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a real interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And so you need people who understand that and... But then also, yeah, just as a general company growing, like, I mean, there's like less than 20 people in the office, you know mm. what I mean? You know, different roles will pop up for different people. And, sure. you know, we'll have all sorts of aches and pains. Mm. Um, but it's exciting to be part of that and be part yeah. of that leadership group and kind of bring maybe the leadership and soft skills that I've learned over the years yeah. and bring that in while learning off the others in terms of the more harder skills. Great. Jamie, thanks for your time. Best luck with Flander. Ah, cheers. Thank cheers. you. Thanks for joining us today on Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. For show notes and other goodies, go to www.toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. That's toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and feel free to rate and review the show. We appreciate your support. See you next time.